the hard shoulder on Newstalk with Nissan's big electric switch. Scrappage is now available on your old car when you switch to a 100% electric Nissan Leaf. Now, at this time, every Tuesday, we turn to the hard shoulder health check. And this week, we're going to be talking about joint pain, something I'm sure many of you have experienced in your lives. Uh, Turlock O'Donnell is the consultant orthopaedic surgeon at the Beacon Hospital, and he joins me now. Turlock, you're very welcome to the show. Uh, Joint pain, it's a fairly broad church, I'm sure. So it's maybe an unfair question to say, what are common causes? Uh, Good evening, Kieran. Thanks very much. Um, Yeah, like you say, joint pain is an umbrella term that uh, there are many many causes of joint pain but common things are common and the most common cause of joint pain would be arthritis which many of your listeners uh, would obviously suffer from and arthritis can be divided into two distinct types one is what we call inflammatory arthritis which the common one is rheumatoid arthritis which we don't see as much of these days and then osteoarthritis which is more common and that's the type of arthritis that uh, would typically give the type of joint pain that okay. we see in the clinics. Well, well, why do we see less and less of the inflammatory or the, the rheumatoid arthritis? Well, the main reason is our physician colleagues have become so good at treating it ah. um, that we don't see uh, as much of it as we did. Certainly when I started my training many years ago, I, I would say 5 to 10% of the joint replacements we were doing at that time were for patients with rheumatoid arthritis I'd say now it's less than 1% because the medical treatment is so good that it's not that common for patients who actually need surgical intervention. Okay, so osteoarthritis then is is the more common cause that you find yourself dealing with these days. How does someone end up suffering from osteoarthritis? Well, that's a very good question. The simple answer is we don't know. Um, But uh, I suppose, uh, like all things, we we just blame genetics. And there certainly is a genetic element. And there's probably environmental factors as well. And then there are patients who suffer trauma, particularly to the knees uh, or the hips, uh, at a young age, uh, that eventually it catches up with them. Because what osteoarthritis is, is a disease of cartilage. Whereas inflammatory arthritis uh, are diseases of, uh, well, they're autoimmune diseases really, but they're diseases of soft tissue. So when you damage the cartilage in a joint, it has very poor uh, reparative potential. The cartilage simply doesn't heal. And this is why people develop osteoarthritis. So in the majority of cases, it just occurs for no known reason. Just because we don't know what the reason is doesn't mean there isn't a reason. We just don't know what the reason is. Yeah. And then in other people, it, it, it typically follows a, a trauma. And in very rare circumstances, it can be things like infection, although you know, they are very, very uncommon. Okay, so, so there can be all these different uh, causes for it. I mean, given that there can be a, a myriad of causes, and as you said, sometimes you might not know that your, your yeah. cartilage is, is, is wearing away until you've got to deal with it. I was going to ask, is there something, are there things people can do to avoid it happening? It might be difficult in some situations. Yeah, well, if you do have, um, I mean, the majority of people who have cartilage damage in their knee or their hip or their shoulder, unfortunately, are probably unaware of it until it gets to a stage where yeah. uh, the cartilage is worn down to the bone. And this presents a difficult problem because obviously the earlier you can intervene with um, th- these conditions, the better you can treat them. 
And you can intervene in all sorts of ways through modification of lifestyle, through diet, through supplements, through injections, through physiotherapy, through bracing, etc., etc. All, of course, you know, hopefully to avoid undergoing surgery at some stage. But okay. it can be very, very difficult to uh, diagnose uh, patients in the early stages. Uh, uh, injections. Tell, tell me a little bit more about treating this type of pain with injections. Yeah, well, again, a lot of your uh, listeners will have undergone injections for control of symptoms related to arthritis. And injections are done for different reasons. They're done primarily for pain relief. So, you know, the cortisone shot that you hear about is essentially a painkiller. It doesn't actually make the cartilage regrow. Um, and then other reasons we do injections is for diagnostic purposes, because sometimes it can be difficult to elucidate where the pain is coming from. So, for example, it's not unusual at all for somebody with hip arthritis to present with knee pain when there's nothing wrong with the knee. And one way of trying to figure out where the pain is coming from is if you inject the hip and the knee pain goes, well, then you know that the pain is coming from the hip. But the real reason we do injections, um, and, and there are many specialists who do injections from orthopedic surgeons to rheumatologists to pain specialists, and of course GPs do them as well, is just to alleviate the pain. And it alleviates the pain because what we're injecting, essentially, is local anesthetic. So it's mm. like going to the dentist and getting your tooth numbed. I see. I see. That's interesting because I suppose when when we think of the the stereotypical hip replacement patient, we imagine that the obvious limp, you know, and the obvious pain in the yeah. hip. And you're saying, listen, it it might actually manifest itself in other parts of the body, like it's, the it's knee. Not unusual. Yeah, it's not unusual. And sometimes those patients can take a bit of convincing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I told you it was <laughs> my knee doctor. I don't know why you're looking. I don't know why you're looking at my hip. Um, exactly. What, what what is a rotator cuff injury? Or disease, well, the rotator cuff is, believe it or not, and this always surprises people when I tell them, but rotator cuff problems are the second most common reason to attend an orthopedic surgeon after back pain. And the rotator cuff is a group of tendons in the shoulder. And there's four of them, but the, the main one is what we call the supraspinatus, and it allows you essentially to lift your arm over your head. So people get rotator cuff problems for a whole host of reasons. They can injure it or it just, just degenerates over time. And the typical symptoms would be that they find it very difficult to lie on the side at night, that it wakes them. They have difficulty getting their arm over their head. Women in particular uh, suffer with getting their hand behind their back, so they, they have difficulty with their bra, fastening their bra. Men have trouble getting their hand behind their back, putting their, I suppose, putting their hand in the back pocket. Um, which for my male friends is not a problem, I can assure you. And, <laughs> and things like, so a simple thing is going to a car park and if it's your right arm, reaching out to get the ticket out of a machine can be very, very difficult to do without having to get out of the car. So rotator cuff problems are extremely common and probably one of the main reasons why we do injections in the clinic. So lots of patients come in with these types of symptoms and we inject them in the clinic and Eureka, within about five minutes, the pain is gone and they get a good night's sleep. Unfortunately, in the majority of cases, it doesn't last, but it's not unusual to get a number of months pain relief from an injection. And uh, conceivably, how many times can you do that? Can you do it indefinitely every four, five, six months, give someone an injection? Absolutely. So look, there's this uh, a bit of an urban myth that you can only have three injections. But the reality is, Kieran, you can have as many injections as you like, as long as they're working. Now, obviously, you don't want to be injecting somebody every three to four weeks. But if, like you say, it's every four to six months, that is a very good way 
of managing the pain. And what it does is the injection breaks the pain cycle and it allows the patient then to go to their physiotherapist and work on exercises and conditioning of the muscles. And very often it's the physiotherapist who can cure the problem for the patient as long as you can break the pain cycle. So as long as the injections are working, you can have as many injections as you like. Typically over time, yeah. the injections become less and less effective. It's true to say. Listen, Turlock, we really appreciate your time. Interesting stuff. All of it. Turlock O'Donnell is a consultant orthopedic surgeon at the Beacon Hospital. 